Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A best-selling novelist, Mary Morrison, suffers from writer's block. She hires an innocent yet beautiful caregiver, Grace, to watch over her children as she dangerously indulges in the into the fantasies of her new bestseller. Everything changes when Mary becomes spellbound by Grace, who soon becomes her muse. As their relationship blossoms, the line between the life she's writing and the one she's living becomes blurred. The film is called Deadly Illusions, and we're joined today by the writer, director, as well as the producer, Anna Elizabeth James. Anna Elizabeth James, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Thank you for the film. I didn't mention the stars in the film, the people, the actors in the film, Kristen Davis, who we all know from Sex in the City and Seinfeld, and she's just such a terrific, bubbly personality. She's got great personality. Dermot Mulroney, who we know from a lot of films, a lot of great stuff, and Greer Grammer, who I was not familiar with until this film, uh, and also Shanola Hampton. So all a great cast who, who really do a great job with their with their roles and their characters. How did this come about? What inspired you to make Deadly Illusions? So as a kid, some of my favorite books that I read were the Christopher Pike series. It's a little bit of that teenage angst, murder mystery, a little bit of pulpy fiction. I love those. I read them voraciously. And then as I started exploring what kind of artist I am in film school and, and, and really what kind of stories I wanted to tell, I went to film school with the intention of doing thrillers. And I got to learn more about the film noir uh, genre and, and dipping into these like darker realms. I'm a, I'm a rom-com girl. I love a great rom-com. Uh, we're just in a place now where thrillers are a great starting block for a filmmaker. I decided to, to dive into that more. They say, you know, write the thing that you're pissed off about the most. And one of the things that I was really kind of frustrated with was just the way female sexuality was portrayed in films. And I thought, what if I could do something that literally just focused on that sort of element? And could I weave a story with that? And, and so my goal was to create a visual platter with with this main dish being female sexuality and so i think if people are are uh irked by it or or feel funny things i think it's because we we don't see it a lot and so i'm i'm really proud of that i'm proud of my my actresses i think their commitment to the material and actor dermot uh was just unparalleled and i i couldn't have pulled it off without them and i and i think we all saw that this was something that needed to be kind of poked in a Me Too landscape, meaning, you know, how will people react to this? And, and to have a reaction is better, better than nothing, right? You know, and after doing two family films, I wanted to push myself and, and really go on the edge with something. Yeah, and you, you introduce the sexuality of the characters pretty early on in the film. I mean, there's the... Tom and uh, Mary, um, yeah, they're they're married. They have they have we established they they're uh, very sexually attracted to one another, and that's part of their that's part of their life. 
And then uh, as we introduce the caregiver, Grace, played by Greer Grammer, um, that is something that you, I think you kind of play around with some tropes, female, they go to, they go, after they get to know one another, um, Mary takes Grace to buy bras. There's a little, there's a, there's an undercurrent of sexuality in that scene there, but you know, nothing, nothing more than that. And, but it establishes kind of a tone and a, and a kind of a trajectory for these two characters, right? Is that a fair way to put it? Totally. Yeah. And, and we're also, I wanted, I got a couple notes in an earlier draft to have the husband and wife be disjointed and not have a good sex life. And I really rejected that idea because I feel like I wanted to turn that completely upside down. It's totally conceivable that you have a great marriage and you have a great sex life. And maybe you're in a place in life in a season of life where more exploration is needed, or you want to go outside your comfort zone or your longing, you, you have different longings. And so I felt like I felt really strongly that we needed that sort of setup. Yeah. And I do think there is something to that, that, that over the course of your life, there's a fluidity to your inspiration, if you will. And when it comes to sex and, uh, not that we all always act out on those impulses, but nonetheless, I think these are, I think for us to pretend that it isn't a part of the human experience is, is wrong. I don't think that's, yeah. I think that's, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I agree completely. And so, so into this very loving and wonderful family, that's kind of the perfect family in many ways, he's a successful in, in his, Tom is successful in his business. Mary's a very successful author who hasn't written in a while. And at the urging of her publisher, they want another book out of her because there's some other issues that come into play financially and otherwise. You create this tension, this kind of upheaval in the lives of the characters. Mm -hmm. And then into this uh, gray steps and kind of an expectation that that she is not what she appears to be. Mm -hmm. But one of the strengths of the film is you really kind of keep us off balance. A good chunk of the film is the what if. Oh, cool. Is this really what I think it is? the film does it in a way that's a very slow burn. Does this sound right? I mean, what I, is this your intention? The film really tests your, your, your palate, right? And I really wanted to reward you for hanging on for the ride. And I wanted to give you a big fireworks at the end. <laughs> um, and, I, and while you're on that slow burn, hopefully you're questioning things that you've never questioned before the online chatter right now and the polarization of views on the film is exactly what I wanted. I want us to talk about this sort of material. And I think, I think it's great. I, I I'm tickled by it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And there's one thing in the, so the sexuality of the film, and I'm not sure if this is even a good question. There is a, shall we say activity Tom is interested in that you don't often see portrayed in in the sexual palette of a film, right? Mm-hmm. That isn't mm-hmm. often brought into the conversation. There's usually a very male-centric perception of, and this and this does kind of play out along the way in the film and you know, in other instances. So I, I just thought, yeah, I mean, you don't see it very often. Am I yeah, am I am I you. overreacting or overstating? No. So I think people who dismiss the movie quickly don't even realize. We, you, you, you're so used to seeing a certain portrayal of sexuality. You don't even realize how it affects your subconscious. Right. And so the fact that you're bringing this up is really interesting because 
that's exactly what I wanted. Like, wait, we haven't seen that. Why haven't we seen that? Why is it always male centric or why is it always about the men's experience in that regard? Right. And for folks who don't understand what we're talking about right now, um, there's a scene towards the, as we head to the third act that is very potent and we can't, we, we don't know if it's in Mary's mind or if it's really happening, but the point is, is that it comes from a female gaze, right? It comes from changing the dynamic in a way that hopefully makes you question why, like, why don't we see this more often? And then if you are bothered by it, or if you're feeling a funny feeling, why are you feeling that? And is that, is that because it is something that really, you know, shouldn't be on the screen? Or is it something that we have been um, veiled with? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I hope it, I hope it causes more. Well, I was also talking about something that Tom does with Mary at the beginning of the film. I believe they're oh, in the right, kitchen. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. They're, they're in the it's kitchen. Through, yeah, it's throughout. Yeah, yeah. throughout. Yeah, throughout. But I yeah. that's the that's the that's the part that all right, well, this is going to be different in that in that regard. Yes, I hope I hope that that one scene in the kitchen in the beginning, yeah, tips your hat. This is not going to be anywhere near normal or vanilla, hopefully. You know, <laughs> hopefully hopefully we live on the edge and bless Dermot Mulroney. He is my forever hero. He championed the material. He really got it. He really understood it and, and was a major team leader in that regard. So I'm so ecstatic about how it turned out. Well, that's a good transition to talk about the cast. Uh, first of all, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Anna Elizabeth James. She is the director, writer, and producer of the film Deadly Illusions, and it is out now as we speak. It's on Netflix, and you should check this out. It, it's a it's a film that just it really stays mm-hmm. true to itself. There's a there, mm-hmm. and and it does in terms of keeping you off balance. I think that's the thing for me that I. I think I know was I really did think I knew what was going on because I've seen a lot of movies. Anyone who's watched a lot of movies has some idea where this could or probably will uh, end up. And uh, the fact that you're able to maintain that uh, uncertainty for as long as you you do in the film, I think it's a testament to you as a filmmaker. And and so, but the cast absolutely haven't seen Kristen Davis in in much. And certainly since the Sex in the City days, and they made a couple of movies uh, out of that. And then, but I haven't seen her much. And I've always thought she was just such a bright personality, such a wonderful, engaging, um, relatable actor. And it's she, great to see she her. She really is. Her personality is, is incredible. Um, she's such a dynamic person. She approached every scene with, you know, honoring her character and, and coming up with ideas that, that made me honestly look like a better writer. Um, it's always a collaboration and, and she really got it as well. And, and man, she's, she's not only so talented, she's, she's gorgeous. She's, I couldn't say enough wonderful things about her. I'm, I feel very lucky to have had her. And also Greer Grammer, uh, who I, again, I, I will admit, I hadn't seen her. I know she does, she does a TV, the, the Goldberg. So she's been on that program. But uh, you also brought her aboard as one of the producers of the film. And she is has the ability to be both, you know, the innocent, the knave, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, to, she's able to turn it on in the other direction in this film. And that's a big part of the film is her ability to be able to 
that on and off switch for the for that character. Why did you want to cast her in this particular role of Grace? So I got to know Greer, Greer really well on Emma's Chance, and that was a really tough shoot. This was like four or five years ago, and we just we just became closer over the years. And and then one day we were messaging each other, and I said, Greer, this is this is really out there, but I have this idea. I think you're perfect for it. I'd love to pitch it to you. And the truth is the idea came from actually, it it started marinating in my mind after I'd worked with her. And I had said to myself, if I could do anything with Greer, what would it be? And this idea popped into my mind and I sort of just brushed it aside. And um, then it just kept coming back into my head. And then, so by the time I had pitched it to her, it had been three years since the original idea came to me. And we sat down at, at coffee and I pitched her all of those scenes that you see her in. And I didn't hold anything back. I was very upfront uh, with her, with what I was trying to achieve. And she, she's like, I'm in, I'm in, I, I see what you're doing. And so that's why she champion. She also championed the material before the script was even written. So, you know, and she was a very, influential part of the creative process you know she was more of a creative producer and we wanted to do do right by all all of the facets of her character as well well she's terrific and you mentioned uh, Dermot Mulroney uh, who's wonderful in the role uh one of those roles where obviously a major part of the the story but it's focused on the women in the film is really that that is and so it's easy for a role like that to either get lost in the shuffle or be out of tonal with the rest of the film but i thought i thought he did a great job and i thought that it worked it worked really well and also uh, i i want to talk a little bit about shinola hampton who plays the best friend again another role that can be kind of thankless kind of difficult to kind of find your footing but i thought she was terrific in the film Mm -hmm. Again, anything you want to add or ca- about casting um, Shinola or? Oh yeah, so Shinola, I man, so there was a there was a period where the script was going out, and I had a letter on the front of it to you know let any 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 reader know like what the intention of this material was that we would be tasteful that we would be um, we would less is more right we're not going to be revealing everything visually it's it's more about what's what you're not seeing is what makes it fun. And so anyway, and and I also shared like why I wanted to tell this tale. And and a big part of it was I wanted to show that pornography is actually a cheap thrill and that doing something like this can be just as fun and tantalizing, but it's more tasteful. Right. And so anyway, she read that letter and I guess she read it and then she was like eight pages in and, and She's, she, she called me up and was like, I'm in, I haven't finished the script and I already, she's like, you're my soul sister. And I, I can get behind this. I love it. And, and so her energy and enthusiasm on set was something because we're dealing with really heavy material, uh, was so uplifting for everyone. So she also is a team player. I, I got so lucky with this cast. It's in, it's insane. So. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations on the film, Deadly Illusions. Um, congratulations on the Netflix premiere. Yeah. In fact, in fact as, as I, like I said earlier, as we speak, it's now on Netflix, so you want to check it out? Yeah, it's actually, I think it's number five right now on top 10 in the U.S., and then number three in movies. So that's exciting. Congratulations. 
well done. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll, we have a little ride to go on. It'll be fun to see what happens. And again, I love, I love the conversation that everyone's having. I think it's exactly what the movie, that was what we intended. I, I see also just the last thing um, that you have a lot of projects in development. Mm, so you're yeah. busy. So good for you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Definitely. Always writing, always writing over here. Well, and especially in this last year or so that we've gone through and how difficult it must be to get projects off the ground and get them into production has to be a pretty daunting time for a filmmaker. So, yeah. And I also think those limitations create opportunity, right? Because then you're forced to come up with solutions. And so you, you think differently and you have different ideas. So I don't know. I look at everything as kind of a silver lining. Well, thank you again, Anna Elizabeth James. Uh, writer, director, producer of the film Deadly Illusions, number three with a bullet on uh, Netflix at this point. And, uh, and I hope you'll come back when you have Thank a- you for having me. It's so fun. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.